Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I'm Sarah Bivens. And I'm Matthew Bivens. We had a home birth back in 2016. So we started a podcast about it. And then grew it into a birth brand to help future and current parents believe in their success with home birth. This is the place to hear home birth stories along with helpful resources and tips to feel empowered and supported in your birth journey. This is Doing It At Home. Welcome all. Welcome everyone. It's a great day to talk birth stories. So gather around, get yourself settled. We're going to have a great time today. You are listening to Doing It at Home. I'm Sarah, one of your hosts. And today's episode is planned HBAC turned emergency hospital transfer and C-section with Andrea Seiden. Before we get into the episode, just want to thank you again for spending your time and energy here with us in this space. You know, your resources are so precious and we do not take it for granted that you are taking time right now out of your life to listen and be here with us. And we're just so honored and we're so grateful. So thank you. And if this is your first episode, Welcome, welcome, welcome. If this is your 367th episode or anywhere in between, we're just thrilled to have you here all the same. And if you would like to get in touch with us, learn more about doing it at home, or just find the other resources and things that we have created over the years and what we're up to, highly recommend that you sign up for our weekly email newsletter. If you go to our website, diahpodcast.com, scroll down, you'll see there's a sign up towards the bottom of the page for our weekly newsletter. And it has recaps on our episodes, cool stuff that we're up to, other resources and things in the birth world, really everything from preconception to postpartum as it relates to you know the values of doing it at home and the whole home birth mindset and everything that we're up to and we're about here. But in a sweet email format, for you so you can go in there and check out what's going on and just be in the know and cool things that you can share with fellow birth nerds or, you know, just indulging yourself. So that is there for you. Highly recommend you do that. It's free. One email a week, again, just with all the things that I mentioned and, you know, all sorts of surprises and cool things every once in a while as well. And you can follow us on social media, doing it at home on Instagram. We're on YouTube now. We have our private Facebook group and the shop the swag, the have babies where you make them, mugs, teas, tanks, uh, tote bags, all the teas uh, for midwives and doulas as well. So for the birth workers, we got you and uh, all sorts of fun things in there for you to check out. All of the links to everything that I've mentioned and then some of the things we talk about in our episodes are always in those show notes. So go check out the description and whatever podcast player you are using and you can link out to any of the things that I just mentioned if you 
don't have the time right now to go look at any of those things. And if you have a moment, if you'd like to give back to the space, if you'd like to contribute in some way because you've gotten something out of doing it at home, there's ways for you to do that as well. Whether monetarily, if that vibes with you, you can give a gift, a donation to the space, and we put that right back in and do our best to magnify that and keep growing this this community and everything that we're up to here. Or if that doesn't resonate with you right now, totally get it. You can drop a review in your podcast player. So Apple Podcasts, you can share your perspective and experience from listening listening to the show. And algorithmically, it is beneficial to the space because it's helpful for others to learn about your experience when they're looking up the podcast and they're searching for it, you know, in their podcast player. And then we share them on the show sometimes. And I'm going to share one right now. So this is from Birth Mama GHJK. And it says, must listen. This podcast creates a wonderful space for birthing people slash partners to share their stories and share their experiences so that others can learn and benefit. Sarah and Matthew do an amazing job holding space for people to share, and the experts they interview provide such valuable insight as well. A very well-rounded podcast that makes me feel less on an island as someone pursuing home birth, and an excellent resource for those wanting to learn more about home birth. Thank you so much, Birth Mama GHJK. Really appreciate you. And we received that. It's such an honor to get that sort of recognition in terms of the space holding that we do here. And yeah, we don't want you to feel like you're on an island. You're not, you're not on an island. Or or if you are, you're in great company with all with all of us funny people. So <laughs> uh really appreciate that. Thank you. It's cool to see just from a behind the scenes perspective and someone who's been doing this show for five plus years, the growth just in terms of myself and Matthew in how we run the show and how we do hold that space and conduct ourselves and conduct interviews. We have grown a lot over the years from just learning how to interview people, how to hold that space and how to you know, create a polished product has, has definitely been a journey. Uh, there have been a couple of <laughs> of reviews I I remember from back in the day. I don't want to call them unkind. I mean, that's their perspective and that's your, you know, they are total right to their viewpoint, but something about something about how we just said, oh, that's so powerful. I guess after everything that someone said, we would just say, oh, that's so powerful. And so I think the, I think it went something like the hosts just say that's so powerful the whole time. You know, that's all it is. And so I can laugh at that now and appreciate it. Uh, You also grow some thicker skin and learn to be not so attached to what people think of what you create and what you put out there. Uh, Because if you did, it'd be really difficult to get up and do anything and create anything and put anything out there. But I can kind of laugh at that now. It's we we have definitely grown. So some of those those earlier cuts, I'm sure, are a a little rough around the edges. But here we are, and we you know we keep doing what we do, and we do it at home. So the episode today, this is the second in a row of hospital transfers. And I love that we have a lot of great examples of hospital transfers on the show because it is a variation of normal. It's a part of the journey and perspective. And for those who have experienced a hospital transfer, for them to feel understood and validated and not on an island, you know, as 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 a theme that can come up, you know, mentioned from the review that that can come up, especially in a feeling like a transfer, you might feel like you're on an island and you might feel confused about the thoughts and emotions around your birth. So it's there for those who have experienced that. And then also for those who might be thinking about that 
as a possible experience if you're planning for a home birth and you're wondering about the possibility of transfer or how will things unfold if there is a transfer and how to navigate that and how to put things in place for that if you know you're going along those lines of thinking and then for the birth workers out there who listen to the show you know to have examples that they can share with their clients and share with those in their circles and today our guest is Andrea Seiden and one of the quotes that I love from Andrea is home birth is not all just about the birth part. And I I think that's a great kind of theme and something to take into account when you think about planning for a home birth and then any event of a transfer that, you know, home birth is not just about the birth part. There's there's a whole mentality and preparation that goes into it. And one of the things that I love about Andrea's journey as well is she shares how doing it at home came into her space as she was planning for her home birth. And she would listen to stories and say, if they can do it, I can do it. Because the main birth that we're talking about today is her third birth, but her first planned home birth. And so we talk about the sequence of events of the birth experience. And some of the things that we talk about, we talk about the impact of not preparing or planning for your birth. We talk about having a VBAC in a hospital. We talk about listening to birth stories for inspiration. We talk about hiring a doula. Talking to your partner about home birth, especially if they're not fully on board, and a very interesting call to 911 for hospital transfer, as well as post cesarean complications. Thank you so much to Andrea for sharing your story with us. We greatly appreciate you. Can't wait for you to hear this story. Quick word from our sponsor, and we'll dive right in. Our family has grown. Welcome to the world, Hannah Baby. Introducing a new collection, Hannah Soft. Made with Tencel, it's so breathable, with stretchy comfort for all of baby's first moments. And it's cool and gentle on their skin all year round. Entrusted Hannah quality for your most precious gift. Hannah Soft, made to last. Shop now at hannahanderson.com. Hey, Andrea, welcome to the podcast. How are you? Good. Thanks. How are you? Awesome. We are fantastic. Yeah. We're excited to talk to you today. So we're super happy and grateful that you chose to hang out with us and doing it at home. All right. Thanks. Kick us off with a little bit about you and your family. Kind of set the scene for us. Okay. Yep. So um, I am married to my husband, Chris. We've been together for about 10 years and married for almost seven. And we have a daughter who's almost five and then a three-year-old daughter and then a son who is like one and a half. So that's a full um, house. We live in, <laughs> yeah, we uh, live in Ohio and he and I are both, uh, we both are full-time pharmacists is what we do for work. So busy. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Yeah. So you're doing it all over there. That's, that's amazing. <laughs> and yeah. so three kiddos. And you kind of had different mm-hmm. birth experiences for each. So yeah, yeah. I'm sure the the first two births lead into, we're going to talk mostly about the third birth today. Um, but if you right. could kind of just set us up a little bit as to why for your third birth um, you were interested in a home birth, um, I think that would be great to kind of, um, you know, set the, the tone and the context for the journey here. Yeah. All right. Yeah. So my first daughter, we... Um, so we stopped, uh, we had like stopped preventing pregnancy basically when we got married, 
but then it took it took like a year and a couple months before we actually got pregnant with her um so she was born in 2017 we got pregnant like 2016 the middle of 2016 um and for her for her pregnancy, I kind of didn't really um, plan anything at all. Like I didn't research anything. I just like went to my doctor's office and I was, um, I was in the midwife. They have uh, like OBGYNs and midwives. And I had chosen to do with the midwife. And that was basically it. I just went to those appointments. I, I just assumed that I would have a regular, like a natural vaginal delivery in the hospital. Um, so I didn't really try to prepare at all. (laughs) Like I kind of just assumed it would happen. You know, I would go into labor and have the baby and that'd be it. Mm. And, um, they say, I mean, not, I I don't think there's much truth behind it now after my experience, but I had heard or read or something that, Oh, your first pregnancy and birth is similar to your mom's and my mom when she had me, she had like an eight hour labor and I'm, I'm the oldest. So she had me first and she had just like a regular eight hour labor, regular vaginal delivery in the hospital. So I was like, oh, well, that'll be what it's like for me. So I kind of wasn't prepared at all for the process. Um, and when I first went into labor, I had very mild contractions, but they, when I was timing them, they were just like a like they were pretty close. They were within like the five minute apart. Um, like when they tell you to go to the hospital yeah. and looking back, obviously I know I shouldn't have gone then <laughs> because they weren't very like intense. But, um, so I went to the hospital, um, pretty early and they said I was only like two centimeters. Um, they, I think they didn't say, but looking back, I'm pretty sure they, did a membrane sweep without asking me to, to try to like push things along. Mm. So I think that was like first step of where things went wrong. Um, so then they sent us home. They had to come back in the morning. Like they said, Oh, just come back when it's more intense. So I thought in the morning that things were, must've been progressing. Um, but then we went back in, I was still only like three centimeters. So they had us walk around didn't really change much. So they sent me home again. And I had, I actually had a scheduled appointment that day. I think I was actually like exactly 40 weeks. So I had an appointment scheduled already. So they sent me into my appointment. And when I went in, they said, Oh, your water's leaking. So we're going to send you in back in to be admitted. So I've already been in labor for uh, at least like overnight through like half the day. Um, so I go in and I was still only like four centimeters at this point. So I was pretty exhausted already just from all of this. So I ended up at one point, it was like almost, I'd, it'd been almost 24 hours and I got an epidural. Um, so then I was just pretty much confined to the bed, couldn't move around or anything. They had to manually break my water, which I don't, looking back, also don't think was a good idea. Um just like the cascade of interventions basically that you hear about yeah. happened to me, I think. And um, so it ended up being, I was in labor for like 36 hours and I wasn't progressing past eight centimeters. So they just called it and they were like, Oh, we're just going to do a C-section. So at that point I was like, please just make it end. Yeah. So I was really happy and I was like, okay, good. Like she's out, she's safe. Um, I'm safe. We're good. 
but then, um, then like looking back, I wasn't really happy with the experience and it, you know, it wasn't what I wanted. Not that I really like had looked ahead of time and planned a, like a birth that I wanted. Um, but it just didn't really fit what I had thought of or, you know, like what it would have been a, like a good birth for me. I mean, it wasn't like traumatic, but it wasn't, it just wasn't very great. Um, so then with my second baby, we got pregnant probably like a year. Yeah. It was when Claire was about a year old. Um, she, so she, so it'd been a year since my C-section. So I was, um, they said I was fine to try for a VBAC, which was what I really wanted for her birth. Um, and this time I actually did do a lot of stuff to prepare. Like I, um, I was still seeing the midwife. So I, I like that, that they, that they didn't automatically make me use the doctor. Um, and I like read a lot more. Um, I read a couple books. I don't really remember, but the big thing was I was listening to um, a podcast called the VBAC link where they have episodes um, just about VBAC birth. So I was listening to that like every day to try to get myself like, in the mindset of this is happening. This is what I'm doing. <laughs> um, and then she was born. So she was born November of 2018 and her birth was a lot better. Um, like I think actually trying to prepare and I did things like when I, when I was almost at the end of the pregnancy, I would like sit on the birth, like a birth ball and like bounce, <laughs> bounce on that. And I was doing like the red raspberry leaf tea and eating like date smoothies and stuff like that. So, <laughs> um, so then I had a pretty good labor with her. I went into labor. It was in the morning. Um, and it wasn't even, it wasn't even a full, like it wasn't even a full 24 hour. It was basically like we, we knew not to go to the hospital too early at this point. So I was in labor for a good part of the day. Um, I think, I started having contractions at like 11 a.m. ish and we ended up going to the hospital at like eight or nine. And I was pretty, I was like five or six centimeters. So it was a lot better um, progression. Like I think I went at the right time and then my water broke naturally when I was actually in triage. So then they admitted me right away. Um, and then I, I did have like a, um, it, after the water broke, it progressed pretty quickly so then I kind of like lost control of my breathing and stuff. And I ended up getting an epidural again because I was um, just like not handling it super well. So then it kind of slowed us down a little bit. Um, I was like nine centimeters for a while. They said I had a, like a cervical lift that then after a couple hours of that, then the midwife ended up just holding it out of the way so I could push. Um, and then that worked perfectly. I pushed for a while it was probably like two hours but then she was born fine and um all around good experience uh, i was really happy with that oh, so beautiful. then Can i have a quick i have a quick question so from yeah. your first birth with claire to then second birth with uh with eva mm -hmm. um can you talk about how the feelings that you had as each one of those births was getting closer and closer and closer in terms of your feelings of preparedness, your feelings of confidence, you know, your, the, the belief that you had in yourself because you described 
not doing a lot of prep with baby number one right. and doing a lot more prep with baby number two. So what were the, some of the feelings that you can, um, as you reflect, like the big differences and how yeah. you felt for each? Yeah. So for the first one, since I hadn't really done anything, I didn't really have a feeling either way. Like I kind of just thought, oh, it's natural. It'll come, you know, it'll, it'll come naturally and it'll happen and that'll be it. And I didn't really think about it. Um, so then after that, when I knew better, <laughs> um, with the second one, I, I felt that everything I did to prepare, I felt a lot more confidence in myself. And I kind of had the mindset of like, this is happening. It's not a choice. Um, like I'm going to do it. And luckily that happened. Cause I think I would have been pretty upset if it did, <laughs> you know, if it didn't go that way, cause obviously we can't control everything, but, um, I, yeah, I had a lot of confidence in myself and I think, I think it did help because I, especially, um, like managing, even just like managing contractions and labor, like I had a lot more of a handle on things and I, you know, I felt, felt more in control basically. And like, it was, um, like it was, how I wanted it, how, how I wanted mm. things to go. So, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> what, what did, sorry, love. I have a follow up, so I can hang on to it. You want to keep going? <laughs> this will be a quick one. What did yeah. reading books and listening to podcasts do for you? Because again, you said you did that oh, for yeah. baby number two and not for the first. Right. So, some of the books that I looked at um, had talked about basically just like the birth process and like, I didn't really know much about, um, I guess, like how labor progresses and basically like what kind of signs you're looking for to mark, like if it's, you know, early labor or transition, you know, active labor, transition, mm-hmm. that sort of thing. So like learning a lot about that helped me feel definitely more um, like I could tell better how you know how things were going um the podcast I really liked listening to other people's stories just because it was like if they can do it I can do it sort of Mm, thing so it just felt like a and I didn't know anybody really in my life who has had a who had had a c-section and then a v-back so I didn't really have anybody close to talk to like my none of my family or friends had had that experience so um, it kind of felt just more of like a community, even though I wasn't talking directly to them, listening to their stories was helpful. Yeah. Beautiful. Thanks for sharing. So my <laughs> follow-up question, Andrea, is yeah. for the mom listening right now who has maybe just yeah. recently found herself in that place of, oh, I haven't been doing any prep. I haven't been doing any planning yeah. <laughs> at whatever stage she's at. And, and it really could be any birth too, because maybe with different births down the line, it presents different things that you need a different mm-hmm. level of preparedness for. So I'm just wondering for that that woman listening right now who is thinking, oh gosh, yeah, okay, I need to get my stuff together, like wherever she's at, <laughs> what would you say to her? Like, what would you tell her? Well, I would definitely say it's not, it's not too late. <laughs> Don't panic. Um, there's, there's a lot of resources. Um, I mean, for home birth specifically for my next baby, I, I did a, I did a, um, like a digital course through the positive birth company, which I found to be very helpful, but there's all kinds of stuff like that. Um, cause even if you can't get to, there's, um, 
I mean, they have like classes in person, but I don't know how feasible that is for a lot of people. So I was looking for a digital one and there's a lot out there. So something like that may be helpful for people or even just like a, a book that you can skim through. You don't have to read it word for word. Just pick out a couple of things that'll be helpful for you. Um, I think just having just a basic knowledge of how how labor progresses just so that you're kind of prepared for like the different different parts of it was was a big help for me um just so I knew um I guess just um like what to expect at each at each point you know like knowing it's early yeah like what signs to look for to um like to either go to the hospital or call your midwife um like that was helpful for me too because then I because then I knew you know, when, when, when I needed to transition from, okay, doing it on my own to now I need further help. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. Thank you for that. Yeah. Uh, Shall we take a quick break? Let's do it. We can talk about our third birth here. Okay, Andrea. So you're pregnant with your third baby and you kind of want to switch it up a little bit. Why? Tell us the details of that. And then, you know, kind of take us into the birth experience all right so okay so I got pregnant with Calvin he's my third when our second was like 10 months old so um they're all pretty (laughs) pretty close together but so I um I was still with my with my midwife practice like the OBGYN midwife practice and was just planning on doing another VBAC and so I was just going to my regular appointments, um, for a while. Um, and I was listening to the VBAC link podcast again. And then I had started thinking that I wanted to get a doula because I thought that it would be helpful to have, um, additional support, someone who was kind of, um, there just for me. I think going into my first birth with Claire, I had kind of thought that that would be what a midwife would do, but um, that's not obviously. Um, and she was like in and out of the room because she had other mothers in labor, obviously. So I had I kind of been playing with the idea of getting a doula and I talked to my husband about that. And he, he was at first a little bit um, put off. He was kind of like, well, what about me? What am I, <laughs> what, aren't, aren't I enough support for you? So That's a great um, point shouldn't. that you bring up though. I'm really glad you, you say yeah. that because I'm sure that's happening right now in someone's own yeah. process. You know, someone's, you <laughs> mm-hmm. know, mom is suggesting the doula and dad is thinking, um, hello, hi, like helped make the baby, you know, where, yeah. <laughs> where am I in this? But I think that's great. That's got to be a very real thing. Um, and especially yeah. if it's not the first birth too. I mean, he's, he's like, I've done this. Mm-hmm. I've been there. Um, so right. I, I love that you bring that up. Thank you. Yeah. Well, I think the main reason was that I was really hoping I wanted to have a birth, um, without an epidural. And I thought having a doula would assist me better with that. Mm-hmm. Okay. So I had talked to him about it and I'd kind of showed him some things like, Oh, like you're not going to be excluded. You know, they, they are all about ha- like helping both of us. Like they will help you help me and they will guide us both along the way. So we had a couple doula interviews set up and I don't know, I don't know what it was. If I had listened to a specific episode 
of the other podcast, but it just like clicked. Like I, I would really like to do a home birth because they have a couple episodes on there every once in a while mm-hmm. that somebody has an HVAC, like a home birth after a C-section. And I was like, I, I think that that might be what, what's best for me because what I was imagining was, you know, a, a birth, um, just like a natural, um, without an epidural, like I didn't really want uh, very many interventions. And from my VBAC birth, I knew that they, um, they want to do a lot of extra monitoring. Like I was hooked up basically as soon as I was admitted. So it was harder for me to like move around, walk around, um, like get in positions that felt comfortable for me because, um, they're worried about monitoring you constantly. Um, I wasn't allowed to have like any intermittent monitoring. So that, that was kind of something I didn't really want this time. Um, and so I, this was like, it was like 23 weeks along. So I was about a little more than halfway. Um, and I started like thinking, oh no, is it too late? And so I Googled if there was any providers in our area and there is actually one very close by. She, um, does like all of Northeast Ohio, but she lives really close to us and her, her website I, w- I was looking at it and like her experience and her credentials and everything looked um, really good. So I had sent her a message saying, is it too late? Can we meet? And she responded back saying, oh, it's not too late. Yeah, we can definitely meet, set up a time. And so then I, then I brought the idea up to my husband and I was like, this is what I really want. And he was so against it at first. He, mm-hmm. I think his, his idea of home birth was, um, you know, that it's, it's not safe that I'm going to have a rupture and bleed out and die in our bedroom. (laughs) I understand. Worst case scenario, you know, he didn't really know much about it. Mm -hmm. Um, So was that first conversation pretty quick or? Yes. (laughs) Well, I was like, I was like, this is what I really want. Can we, can you at least, can we just have a, a interview with her? And I, I promise then if it's like, if you're still really against it, then we could talk about it, but I just want you to be open to it. And he was, I mean, he, he, he wanted to do what I wanted to do. He, I think he was just nervous and, you know, worried for me and for the baby. Um, so, so we had this interview with her like that same week and I had this giant list of interview questions and she answered each one perfectly. Cause I was, I was asking about, um, you know, like if she does, uh, VBACs, like basically, uh, that was one of our main concerns. Was um, like, well, what happens if if I do have a, a uterine rupture? Um, and I had asked about uh, just like other safety things, like what kind, like what happens in this scenario and that scenario. Um, like, what if I have a hemorrhage? What if that? You know. So she answered all those questions. She's um, really experienced. Like she has done like over 3000 deliveries wow. in her career. Wow. <laughs> she, she's um, she had trained with um, like Ina Mae Gaskin on the farm wow. earlier oh, cool. in her career. So I, so I felt really comfortable with her and she, she even said at one point um, that she, some people like nicknamed her the med wife and they were trying to make it like an insult, but she's like, I don't take it as an insult. I, you know, I, I'm very cautious, you know, like she was saying basically that she doesn't take any chances. She, you know, has 
has all sorts of, um, I don't know the word, like, um, like she has, you know, like the oxygen and the potassium and that sort of thing. Like she has all sorts of that. And then she also, you know, is not afraid to transfer people if that's what they need transfer to the hospital. Um, so I was, I was really happy with her and my husband, he was like, all of his questions had been answered. And so he was, he was open for it. So, so we did end up switching, um, at, yeah, around like 23 weeks, switching care to, um, to her. Um, so after that um, first, after that first yeah. meeting, you just, you just felt it like the connection was there and you oh, knew that yeah. you wanted to go with them. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I was, wow. I was really really happy and i mean i looked at other there was obviously some other home birth midwives in our area but um i i think i was most happy with her she had the most experience like out of anybody so that was that was comforting to me like i think a big a big thing was that it was a v-back it you know i was mainly worried about if somebody had experience with that um so i I, I just wanted somebody, you know, that was pretty experienced and in control. And she, she definitely was. So. What were some of the things that she um, shared with you or questions that she answered around yeah. VBAC specifically? Can you remember any of those? Like the things that she shared that made I you did. feel like, yeah. oh, okay, I can do this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So she, she, she said that rupture doesn't happen just out of nowhere. So she um, is familiar with the very early signs of it. And when, um, like when it's, when she feels that it's starting to happen and can get you transferred to the hospital immediately. She said that the only, the only actually two times that she's had or seen a uterine rupture was actually, she, um, does a lot of work or, or has in the past with the Amish community. And she saw it two times, um, there with a doctor there had been a doctor that was intentionally only doing like a single stitch um, after cesarean instead of a double. And so she said that that's the only time she'd ever actually had a uterine rupture. Oh, wow. Um, yeah. So that was, um, that was good. Cause we, that was like the main thing I think that my husband specifically was worried about. Yeah. Um, but then she, she answered other things too, you know, like what she can do in case of a hemorrhage, um, like that she and her team are all CPR certified. They can do neonatal resuscitation, um, that they've had to do both in the past and they've never had, she's never had a, um, loss an infant or maternal death. Um, and she, what else? Oh, and that she has, she always brings enough on her team that if both the mom and the baby needed attention after the birth, that they would have enough, you know, mm-hmm. enough, it's not just her, yeah. um, but they have, they have multiple people there to, to attend to both. Um, and she addressed, uh, like meconium aspiration, um, shoulder dystocia. Mm-hmm. Um, she's done, she's done like twin birth breach birth she yeah. I, she just had really that's a breath really of a lot of experience and sure. answered all answered all the questions that she found it just sounded like she'd seen it all you yeah. Know? yeah oh yeah <laughs> that's great yeah that's one of the amazing things like i remember when we sat down with our our midwife i was very ignorant to how knowledgeable that they are right? and how how <laughs> much of yeah. experts they are i mean that's what they do and dedicate their lives to so it's it's mm-hmm. great for you know when you have the partner who just 
gets the shell shock of the idea of home birth, and then you sit them down and or they sit down and they have the the conversation and ask the right. questions, and you walk away like, wow, I, my eyes have been open to what midwives mm-hmm. do and what midwifery really is, and um, right. yeah, it's just it's it's magical. So <laughs> very cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think a, a thing that stuck out to me too was I don't know who said it, but at one point I had heard or read um, that like OB OBs are are great um, for like medical, you know, if there's if there's a medical issue, but um, birth isn't always necessarily a medical like a medical issue, and that midwives are really familiar with seeing uh, like what a natural birth looks mm-hmm. like. Whereas OBs really aren't because they're pretty much always in a setting where like it's already past that point, yeah. you know, where somebody yeah. needs medical attention. Yeah. So they might, they just might not be as familiar with, with what a natural birth looks like and, you know, all the things that a, that a midwife has seen and can do. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's a great point. So, yeah. So then um, tell us about the birth. Yeah. yeah. Like how so that kind of I think the rest of the pregnancy is pretty normal. Until about, um, oh, actually, it was, it was, this was right at the beginning of the pandemic. <laughs> so I had actually switched right before everything started happening. Interesting. So then a couple months, yeah, a couple months into after, like after I had switched to her, she had a lot more people wanting to switch to home birth because oh. of the pandemic. So yeah. she was a little bit busier. Um, like it didn't affect our, our care. I still felt, you know, that we received good care, but, um, I, I, I was doubly happy that I had switched because I was hearing all these things. Like, what if my husband wasn't even allowed to come in? What if me and my baby had to get separated at birth? Mm -hmm. So I had been pretty nervous about after hearing those things. Um, and I was just really happy already with my choice. Um, but then let's see. So we were, he was due in June, June of 2020. Um, and we did like the, like the, like the home visit, like she had already come to the house for the home visit, dropped off the pool. I wanted to do, hopefully do a water birth. Um, so she, they had come and done all that. And then I, I, my, I took off work at like 38 weeks, um, just to have a couple, you know, a little bit of time. Cause my first daughter was, she was right on time. Like, I think I went into labor on my duty. (laughs) And then my second daughter, she was only like four days before her due date. So I was thinking I wasn't probably wasn't going to go past my due date and he was probably going to be a little bit early. So I was finally off work and I had, um, one last thing I had a hair appointment that I really wanted to make it to. And I was like, okay, you can come as long, like, as long as you let me make it to my hair. <laughs> and then, and then you're free to come whenever. So I have my hair appointment at like seven at night. And then at like six in the morning, I went into labor. Oh, <laughs> the next day. Nice. Yeah, he waited. So he was, be- he was very considerate. He, he listened. <laughs> um, so I woke up, I woke up at like 6am with um, like that. I like a crampy feeling. And I just had a feeling like, oh, this is it. It's today. So I went and I ran myself a bath. My husband, he was still, he was still at, at like at work. He was still working. Um, but he was like, well, what do you think? Do you want me to just call off? And I was like, well, you can, like, you can go in. Cause since we work 
since we were retail pharmacy, if he doesn't show up, they can't even open the store. <laughs> so I was like, well, at least go in so they can open and then, then they can find someone to come in for you. Cause I was like, it's not going to be very soon. Like this is the very beginning. You're fine. So he went in and, um, I had started, I'd started having a contraction. Um, and I had my, had my two daughters and it was really difficult being in labor alone and having to mind two toddlers. So I had like called my mom and I was like, mom, you need to get here. She lives about two hours away. So she was like, okay, I'm on my way. So I'm just like waiting for either my husband to come back, my mom to show up. So my husband got, he got back at like nine or 10. It, it really wasn't that long, but it felt like forever when I was trying to like center myself and breathe yeah. through these contractions and the kids are running around and I'm like, just, I just need silence. So, <laughs> so finally he got home and I like shut myself in the bedroom. Um, it was like contractions. They were feeling kind of intense. And I like looking back, think maybe, um, maybe it was progressing faster than I thought at the time. Cause I was thinking, well, even with my second birth, I was in labor a while. I was in labor like all day. So I figured it would be like all day. Um, we hadn't, we hadn't called the doula or the midwife yet. And, um, Oh, what then? So then he was, he was trying to kind of run around and get everything set. Um, we were like, we had the, um, like the hose and the faucet attachment mm-hmm. for the like to fill up the tub that he was trying to like hook up. I was like, we should have done this before, probably. <laughs> but he's like doing this last minute. Um, he's trying to like get our dog. We had we were gonna take the dog to just board her for a few days mm-hmm. just because um, you know, just having all the people in the house and everything. Mm-hmm. So he was like trying to handle that. And my my mom got there probably like noon. And at this point, I was I was just really I was sitting on my birth ball. I totally stripped all my clothes, <laughs> just sitting in my sitting in my bedroom. I had put on my um, like labor playlist and turned on. I had um, what's it called? Like a diffuser with like clary sage in it. Um, I and I was just totally focused on just each contraction. And, and my husband's like, I think we should probably call someone by now. So he called, he, I think he texted the doula to come. So she says she's on her way and he called our midwife and he had to, he had to leave a voicemail and he's like, um, I think, I think we might need you to come over soon. She seems like she's kind of progressing. And I, he, I was in the background just, you know, like making labor sounds through my contractions. And she calls back like immediately. She said that she had like heard me in the background and she's like, we need to be there right now. I'm sending anyone who's in the area. (laughs) So they all come over and it was, um, she was like, you're really close to being fully dilated. And I was like, already, are you sure? (laughs) Cause it was only like noon or one and it had only been like six, seven hours. And I, that's, I just wasn't prepared for it to go so quickly. Um, so she had said, she had said that she thought he was posterior. I think based on, I'm not sure. She had listened with like the fetal monitor. She had listened to that. And then also based on, I think my contractions were not lasting long enough. 
Um, like they were only like 30, 40 seconds instead of a minute. So she thought he was posterior. I believe that's what she had based it on. So she had me do um, like a, like a certain position, like, like, I think like bent forward, you know, like hands and knees on the ground to try to mm -hmm. flip him a little. Um, she told me we didn't have time for the tub. So I was pretty sad about that. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, and then she um, asked, if I wanted to move anywhere. So we got, I got on the bed. They had gotten um, like the little pads on the bed. So I got on the bed and she was like, do you want to try? She was like, you're basically fully dilated. Do you want to try a couple pushes? So I tried a couple and my water broke at that point um, during one of those. Um, but she still, she was still not happy with the contractions themselves. Like she said, it didn't seem that they were um as effective I guess as they should be so she had given me some sort of like herbal thing under the tongue I don't know what it what it was but um to try to strengthen my contractions and then um I I think I was I had been doing like a couple pushes it was maybe like a half hour and wasn't making very much progress like she said he was slowly making progress but I think she also thought he had his hand up like near his head um so it was just taking longer but then she said his heartbeat she was concerned was dropping with the contraction but then taking too long to recover afterwards so she was concerned about that um and after like after a couple times of that she said um that we needed to transfer i think i think after the fact she had also said she was basing it off of a couple other things that she saw like she said she said it, that his heart rate was probably due to either an umbilical cord problem or a placenta problem and she said that she had seen a couple other signs that made her think it was a placenta issue that it was like maybe starting to detach um she said that there was some like dark like dark cherry red blood which is associated with a placenta problem and then also like the contractions not being as strong um all, all made her think placenta so at the time she just said we need to transfer um and had one of the midwife one of the other midwives call for an ambulance and i was completely oblivious to all this because i was just you know like <laughs> just not not paying attention to anything around yeah. me but apparently when they called, she called for, she called for an ambulance and the uh, operator online, she like, wasn't taking the call very seriously. She, um, was asked, like, I guess when they called, they were like, we have a mother who, who's um, doing a home birth. She's having contractions and we need the ambulance to transfer her to the hospital. And they were like, oh, well, how long has she been having contractions? Are you timing? Like, she didn't understand, I guess, that it was a home birth situation. I guess she just thought like, oh, this person's going into labor and think they need an ambulance, uh, but okay. it was not that it was oh, a different wow. situation. And so the midwife started getting upset on the phone and they actually hung up on her. So my like main midwife was furious. She was oh. livid. <laughs> she was like, she was so mad. And she, my husband was like, we'll just go, we'll just drive because we have a minivan. He was like, we'll put her in the back of the van and we'll go. So me and my doula got in the back of the minivan and my husband drives us and my midwife, she and her husband, 
um, they drove separately with us to go to the hospital so she could, um, you know, come with us. And she like called ahead and let um, labor and delivery triage know that we were coming. And um, so we, when we got there, they were, they were already ready for us. Like they, they had like a room set up and they took us right in and they listened to his heart rate. And they said that, um, they said that it was, that it was going really low. Like at one point, my husband said he saw it go down to like in the forties. So they said they did, they didn't, it wasn't like, an, like they didn't rush me straight to the OR, but they said they, they did want to do a C-section. So, um, they put, they got us right in and, um, gave me just a spinal and then, and then did the operation and he was born. He had um, a pretty good APGAR score. I think it, I think it was nine. So they did, didn't seem like he had any issues, um, like that he was, you know, deprived of oxygen or anything like that. Mm-hmm. So, um, like he seemed, he seemed fine and healthy, and we were both, both good after that. Mm. <laughs> um, so it was pretty quick though. Like from the time that we left the house to his birth was. I think like under an hour. Wow. So it just all happened very quickly. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then, um, so he, after he was born, we were in the hospital, I guess for like two days. And then we got to go home. And then it was like 10 days later. Yeah. 10 days later, I was having chest pain and, um, I was familiar with the possibility of having blood clots after, after having uh, surgery. Um, like they told, they tell you about it too. Like, especially after uh, like when you're postpartum, cause it's a higher risk factor for that too. Um, so I'd ha- I started having chest pain on the one side and it wasn't going away. And I was kind of ha- having trouble. Like it was like a shortness of breath. So I told my husband and I was like, I think that we should go to the hospital. I'm worried about blood clots. And so we went, luckily it was a day that my mom had actually taken the girls. So, um, cause it was like 10 30 at night. So luckily we just had the baby. So just the two of us and him went to the ER and I was nervous about showing up there saying that I had shortness of breath because it's like four months into COVID. Yeah, <laughs> so, I can imagine. So everybody is, super concerned about yeah. that but I told them like I just had I just had a baby and a cesarean and it's just on one side and I'm pretty sure it's blood clots um so they uh did the I'm not sure if it was I think it was a CT scan uh, they did that and that's that's what it was so I did have the that complication after birth the pulmonary embolism in the lung um so I had that happen. How common and, is that? Do you know? I'm sorry. What was that? How common is that? Do you do you know? Or because like you seem to know uh, what was going on, and you were pretty clear on it. But I was just curious. Yeah. I haven't I haven't heard too much about that. Yeah. Well, I know they they definitely t- go over it in the hospital at least after a C-section mm-hmm. because you're more at risk. Um, like just pregnancy and birth puts you more at risk, but then surgery in general mm-hmm. increases your risk as well okay. for blood clots. Um, so I, and I, I think just having um, like a semi-medical background, mm-hmm. um, I 
was just familiar with it. Um, so gotcha. I, I'm not sure. I don't know the stats exactly, like how common it is. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, I Oof. had that happen. And then that was a whole ordeal because sure. then you have to be on blood thinners. And since I was breastfeeding, there was only one that I could be on. Mm. And it's one that you have to go get your blood checked. And so I had to go like every two weeks. They couldn't get it. They couldn't get my levels right. Mm. Um, they kept having to like increase my dose. Like at one point I was on like three times the normal daily dose. <laughs> I had to get uh, referred to a hematologist. Wow. And they couldn't figure out. They couldn't figure out why. And they eventually just said um, like, oh, I just must need a higher dose. Mm-hmm. And so they had me do that for about a year. And then and then I was able to stop it and they had me just, now I just take an aspirin, like a baby aspirin every day, just in case, but I, I've been fine. Otherwise, like I wasn't, I didn't have to be admitted or have surgery or anything for it. So luckily we caught it pretty, pretty early. It sounded like, like they said it was, um, just small, just small blood clots. It wasn't anything that needed, obviously needed surgery or anything like that. So mm-hmm. That was good, but I also wonder, you know, if I hadn't had to have surgery, would that have happened? Mm-hmm. <laughs> sort of thing. Yeah. So, yeah. But um, otherwise, yeah, you know, he and I are both we're both good mm-hmm. after everything. Um, we're done having babies, so it is definitely bittersweet that I don't get to like quote unquote try again. Mm-hmm. You know, not that I I don't even know if I'd be able to after having two C sections, but. Um, you know, just trying to come to terms with not being able to have that birth that I had envisioned, mm-hmm. you know, I still, still like think about that sort of thing, but sure. Um, yeah. <laughs> how, how do you feel then in general about home birth, you know, as a, as a choice says, you know, if you were, if you were planning for more babies, just, um, ideologically yeah. versus, you know, whether or not that's what you wanted to do oh, with you yeah. know, your body and circumstance or yeah. for anyone else considering home birth, you know, how, mm-hmm. how have all of your birth experiences combined, you know, kind of, um, right. influenced how you feel about it. So I think my home birth, the labor part of it was definitely the best experience out of all three mm-hmm. because I felt, um, like safe and in control and, when, you know, when my midwife and doula were there, it's, they are just so attentive and supportive. Um, and I didn't really get that, you know, in my hospital experiences. Um, so I, I really, I I really, uh, wish I could have, I wish I could go back in time and do home birth just from the beginning, like with my first daughter, because I don't think um, there was necessarily anything wrong during the labor that would have warranted a C-section. Um, just kind of that, like I said, that cascade of interventions that you hear of, I think that that's what happened. And, you know, they just, they just labeled it as failure to progress. But I think if I had done, um, done things differently from the start that that might not even have had to happen Mm -hmm. at all. I mean, you never know, but, um, like just being able to labor at home for the whole time and um, just have like somebody there with you the whole time. I, yeah, I wish, uh, wish I could redo them all, but 
<laughs> um, yeah, I'm definitely a, a big proponent of home birth. I think, I think my experience especially shows that, um, uh, I don't know how to phrase it. Like that, like that it is safe too, mm -hmm. because even though I had a problem, she recognized it very early on and did what needed to be done to get us to the hospital and have, mm -hmm. you know, have the intervention that we needed to have. Yeah. Um, cause I think that that that's like a concern that people have is that home birth isn't safe and, Oh, you can have all sorts of problems. And mm -hmm. like, what happens if your baby's heart rate goes down or your placenta starts to detach? Well, that happened to me and, and we're fine. You know, my yeah. midwife handled it. She knew what was happening. She knew what to look for and she got us, you know, she transferred care, which is what, you know, what you're supposed to do. She's not, she's not just going to say, Oh, I can handle it myself at home. Like she knows what her limitations are and when there needs to be a further, you know, some further intervention. So yeah. like, I think that I, like, I think that even though I had that happen, that it's still like, it, it just justifies to me that, that we made the right choice yeah. because um because she did have our safety in mind and mm -hmm. you know she did she did everything possible to make it safe for us yeah yeah what i heard you say is or what i'm what i'm pulling from the story is every process worked every everything that was put in place worked you know the plan for the home birth right. worked your midwife worked right. you know your body worked and then when you got to the hospital right. and that is what you needed it worked too yeah. So it all it all worked the way that they are designed to be when the circumstance fits them at their appropriate stage. So I, mm -hmm. I, I think it's awesome that you could receive the kind of care that you did, that, you know, she was so intuitive and was so doing her job <laughs> so well right? Um, yeah. so that you could, mm -hmm. you know, get the next level of care that you and baby needed. Um, I'm, I'm still a little like in shock over the being hung up on by 911. We've never heard that on the yeah. show. That yeah. is definitely a first for the show. Yeah. And I just, I have <laughs> medical emergent worker families in my family or people in my family. And the stories I have heard to then hear you say that like a woman mm -hmm. in labor, anything having to do with a woman in labor calling 911, like when you need it, I can't, I just can't believe because the calls that I've heard, I mean, people have called me like I stubbed my toe and they show up like <laughs> I just, I yeah. well, they, still working on that one a little bit. <laughs> they, they did. So they did actually end up sending an ambulance, which I don't know. Um, I, we were already gone yeah. and I, and like the midwives who were still at the house just like sent them away and they're like, Oh, they already went to the hospital like you're too late. Yeah. Um, and I, I, and I know that one of the midwives had called back, not like, not the one that went with us to the hospital, but one of the other ones, she had called them back and like chewed them out. Um, that like, this is, this is not okay. Are you serious? Yeah. Not um, professional. And then, yeah. An yeah. ambulance did show up at some point, but yeah, you wouldn't we have already... known it was going to though, by the, by the I way know. that call went. Right. So yeah, 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 not a fan. I don't know what that. Yeah, <laughs> jeez. Well, yeah. um, I'm assuming that's not. I'm assuming that's not a common experience. I, I'm hoping it was just like a, you know, yeah, <laughs> just a one-off that yeah. maybe somebody didn't didn't understand. But mm -hmm. yeah, well, it's great. It was that, not good. 
Chris slept in the action and yes. got the van ready Yay and for you minivans. all were, you know, yeah. on your way. Yeah. <laughs> oh my nope. gosh. Um, Andrea, thank you so much for sharing y- your, your breadth of experience. You know, you, you've yeah. pretty much hit it all when it comes to all the things that can unfold in a birth and how you can, yeah. um, have an experience birth. So I'm really grateful to you in that sense for being able to bring that experience here to the show and for others to, um, get wisdom and inspiration for that. I think that's amazing. And I'm just curious as we wrap up here, if there's any kind of final thoughts or big takeaways, you know, that you got personally from your birth that you would like to share that someone else could get something out of. Um, I think the main thing was when I did, when I did do the preparations, especially for my third, like my, for my home birth, um, just knowing like I said before, like knowing the birth process and being able to like know what was happening to me as I was going on, like it just felt really empowering to, 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 you know, to be like, just be present through that. Um, like I had done, I had done a, a online course that had um, like breath, breath work that you can do during you know, during your contractions and, um, and they explain to like the, like the hormonal process of like what exactly is going on with your, like your uterus and your muscles and, um, like why being in a safe, like, like the mother feeling safe and, um, like comfortable really helps the breast process. Um, like, I, I felt like I was able to create a space that that really helped and empowered me to, you know, to go through that. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it shows too that that was my fastest labor. I mean, it also could be just, you know, random and it was my third, but um, that was like my fastest and easiest labor. And I had, I used those tools to get all the way to 10 centimeters. And I had never done that before, you know, without getting an epidural. And it, it wasn't even painful. Like I know with my second one, um, when I was in the hospital and I was having those contractions at like eight centimeters, nine centimeters, I was like screaming in pain and like punch my husband. <laughs> um, and I didn't have any of that <laughs> with my home birth. I, you know, I, I, it like, it was powerful, but it wasn't necessarily very painful because I felt calm and in control and, uh, yeah, I, I really, I really love that experience. So. Wow. Those feelings are so important. And I, I absolutely yeah. believe it has <laughs> to do with everything that you did. Mm-hmm. All the, the mental, emotional, physical yeah. preparation, everything that you put into it, um, led to that experience or contributed to that mm-hmm. experience that you had. So that's, that's amazing. Andrea, thank mm-hmm. you so much again. We really appreciate you. You're awesome. Yes, thank you. All right. Thank you. note about the Doing It at Home podcast. Matthew and I are not doctors or medical professionals, and nothing we say should be taken as medical advice or opinion. If you have medical or health-related questions, please take them to a trained professional. We're here simply to entertain you with stories and conversations about pregnancy, birth, and parenthood. Does your father know you're listening to this podcast? Well, when you're done, 
why don't you stop by and check out a show that is 100% data-approved, Datages. Hi there, I'm Chad Higgins. If you're looking for useful insights and practical advice you can actually apply to work, family, education, philanthropy, and just life in general, check out Datages. That's D-A-D-A-G-E-S, wherever you listen to your podcasts.